0: So repeat after me: I am not from the bottle, for I am the special one. <laughs> what a week! What a two! What weeks. a yeah! I know. Every what time a,
1: I was like, "What a!" I know every of week I was like, "Oh man, we get we gotta we gotta we gotta record," and then I was like, "Oh, maybe we should wait thirty minutes and see what else exciting happens." Now I'm in the midst of watching this Madrid game on uh, Champions League. Uh, Hazard looks like he finally knows how to play soccer. Um, but uh, who knows? Sixty more minutes for them to choke.
0: And you've always been singing Benzema's yeah, praises. Yeah, well, you
1: know he he's really good. Well, it could all change with Di Maria.
0: This isn't even our concern. No, I right know, now. I know.
1: I mean, I, this, this is, is just not a distraction. even distraction. Everything is a distraction.
0: But when did Champions League become the distraction? That 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 would be the the other well, thing. I mean, everyone's stepping on each other's toes.
1: It's weak, you know. I mean, the the thing is, is that it's it's the group stages have almost been decided, so. You know, we'll get into the round of sixteen. We'll, we'll, it'll it'll be the lead story once again.
0: So it doesn't bother you at all that Mourinho's uh, Tottenham squad sounds so strange is uh, down to Olympiacos as we tape this.
1: No, because honestly, they're gonna finish second place anyway. They can't finish first. They can't get ahead of Byron. I mean, this is this is a practice session.
0: All right. So how about we put Champions League aside for at least one more week as we look at the week or two weeks that was slash were with regard to Poch out Mourinho in and hey, Wolverhampton beating the cherries of
1: Bournemouth. Oh, that's our lead story. All right. Let's roll the open. Let's get into this.
0: Welcome to Sound System FC. I'm Lawrence Scott with Bo Byerly, and we have probably made the worst cold open in the history of soccer podcasting just then. I'm just like, I'm but, distracted. But, but it's all for a good reason, because there's so much to talk about.
1: There is, man. There is. I, you know, I, I pride myself. If I was to pick a team that I would say I'm a fan of in the Premier League, it would be the Spurs. And when I saw the news, not the news about William, but the news about Pochettino, I was I was broken up. I was like, "Why are they doing this?" But then, just just the next day, I found out why, and it made total sense. My favorite manager is back in the league, and it's exciting, man. What a what a great first match! Well, for them.
0: it's great that it's a London team, and I mean, to be completely honest with you, uh, it didn't seem as if. It wasn't going to end up a draw. And, and it's a weird thing, too, because Antonio got uh, things going for West Ham in their match against Tottenham, and that was the 73rd minute. And then he goes into extra time, and they got one more goal, but it really looked at one point like, they may equalize this thing, but uh, Tottenham Hotspur hold off West Ham United. Uh, poor pink eye having to watch this whole thing. And, and then the question becomes this. Who... Was poised to be out first, Emery or Pochettino? Because Arsenal, well, with two goals from Lacazette, looked fair against Southampton. Southampton, that that's that's rough stuff. That's a game at the Emirates. What's happening there? That's such a mess. I would have thought it would have been Emery long before Pochettino, Bo.
1: Well, I mean, that actually shows, to me, better management is the idea that, like, they do owe a lot. Uh, The Spurs do owe a lot to their old manager. I mean, for five years, he really put them uh, in places above where they really could and should have been. Uh, I mean, it's a great team, but it's not a Champions League final team. You know, he's done an excellent job, but I think they saw the, the, the writing on the wall. They had to make a move, and they had a chance to get the special one. And they went for it. And Arsenal, I don't know what they're waiting for. I don't know what other coach they think can fix their problems. Um, You know, it's interesting because if you if you've just come to soccer in the last couple of years, what you're learning is is these people have no patience. You know, we always hear about in professional football, college football professional basketball oh it's a rebuilding year oh this is their rebuilding year oh you know they they need two more years and they're going to really be you get four months (laughs) in european soccer and these people have no patience and that's what amazes me about arsenal they seem to be patient but there's no there's nothing on the horizon that looks promising their their players seem miserable their coach seems miserable and they're miserable to watch Uh, and I think that Spurs have the excitement, you know, they have the excitement behind them now because of this change and, and Lawrence, you know, you and I have been lucky enough to watch a lot of professional athletes from the sideline, have seen them perform in many different arenas, whether it's football, basketball, soccer, and people don't understand that the difference between, uh, the top athlete in the world and the worst player on the field is very little. So you just need that little spark, that little thing that's going to make your guys just make that one extra pass, that one extra step, pay attention just that millisecond longer. And and that's the difference between a mediocre team and a great team. And that's what Spurs saw, I think. I think they looked at it and said like, you know, Pochettino is not a bad coach and we owe him a lot, but if we don't make a move now, we're going to be Arsenal two years from now. And, uh, you know like i said sad to see him go but uh marino i mean it, it's going to be fun man that guy is fun he brings a certain flavor to a game um and and i think the team kind of likes it i think the team kind of likes to be a you know they always seem to me they always seem like the good guys right Sun man yeah. uh harry kane you know these guys are these guys seem like very just they're they're the they're the good boys yeah, they're not the yeah Delhi you know they I brought mean, in-
0: there's there's definitely things to unpack here and 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 you, you want to start with a couple of things you say that change that needs to happen to create a spark and in this case you know maybe it's organization to a style of play that's going to better fit the overall personnel in some of these cases the Arsenal situation I do want to hit on it because that's barely a draw against Hassan Hutel's Southampton squad that's and again at home the Gunners barely with the draw there. And and you asked the question like, well, what are you waiting for? What what could be better than what was available perhaps if Mourinho would have come to Arsenal? I'm just throwing out a hypothetical there. Like if if you didn't have one team in London with the special one, but you had the other one in Arsenal with the special one. And of course, there are other teams in London. Yes, we know. Chelsea. We'll get to that in a little bit. But with the Arsenal near not draw let's put it that way with southampton and you're watching emery's whole thing just disintegrating i kind of think of it as a case where ownership is a little bit more absentee perhaps and uh, this ownership for arsenal is uh, kse that's cranky sports and entertainment it's the group that owns the los angeles rams in football in america and also the uh Colorado Avalanche in the NHL, the Denver Nuggets in the NBA, and I, I, I believe also the Rapids in the MLS. I, 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 I think so, but I'm not positive. But you've got an ownership group that's in the United States. Now it's working just fine for Liverpool, so that's not the point, but, but just maybe... Levy's aggressiveness with Tottenham and the way that he's running the business operations, like there wasn't room to wait. And I liked your analysis because, yeah, sure, a Champions League final for Spurs was certainly impressive. And obviously Pochettino is an incredible manager. I mean, well, would it surprise you if we go full circle and say if Emery's out, would Pochettino be in Arsenal?
1: sure sure that's a small possibility i think going to byron is a much greater possibility i think it's a change of scenery you know what's interesting is is most of these managers you know three four years that's a long time like you know he was he was at tottenham for five years that's like that's like a bear bryant legacy (laughs) in in the world of european football like you know Uh, who knows? Maybe Zidane. Maybe he leaves Madrid at the end of the year. And Arsenal's maybe waiting for the guy who, you know, they they want somebody to make an immediate move. They don't want somebody who's on the beach. I don't know why. I'm just guessing. I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, But, you know, you talk about that ownership group and they seem to be okay with, you know, toiling in the waters of mediocrity. I mean, maybe it's just all a big real estate deal. You know, maybe they're just like, well, we're not going to be one. We're not going to be two. We'll just be Arsenal, and we'll sell jerseys because people like us for our history, and you know, we'll sell seats because the stadium's nice, and whatever. We'll just be. But that's a not mediocre where the team. business
0: is. That's not where it's going. No, that is just not what to be. And it's uh, kind of surprising that Nick Hornby's team would uh, suffer this sort of indignity after what was really. An obviously classy and amazing run in the uh, late 90s, 2000s, and uh, an immense legacy with huge shoes to fill. I mean, l- let's be fair. I mean, you, in other sports, you have a legendary coach leave. Well, maybe the person that takes over is not necessarily the next long-term solution. So Una Emery seems like perfectly nice person who is... Very capable in maybe other situations, but in this situation, it's not going at all like Arsenal needs it to go. And it's about time for that chapter to end, I would imagine. And uh, l- let's see. I, it, would, it would have to come soon. It's just what could have been had, what could be had still if a move is made soon. That's, I guess, the question that I have is yeah, uh, you have so many are not world, really world-class managers. making an international move.
1: You have so many world-class managers in the Premier League. Uh, and and another one who's been getting luck. They also have some luck on their side. I mean, look at Klopp. I don't know what it is, man. I know he's a great coach, but, God, that guy is lucky. All of Unai's uh, luck that he needs to win with Arsenal has been sucked up into Liverpool. Because Klopp, man, he just smiles with those perfect teeth and magic happens. I don't know. I don't know what's... I. You know, I, I saw this thing the other day at uh, the uh, Football Writers Association where uh, Pep Guardiola and Klopp were both speaking and it's almost like a joke even Guardiola is just like I I can't compete with this guy he's the luckiest man on the face of the earth Um, (laughs) and and Liverpool man they just they can play bad and win they can play good and win they can you know they're gonna play with the their second team uh, in some in you know in some cup games and they're gonna win they're just they're just gonna win that's it
0: you know what's weird on a Squad with Bobby Chompers, the best chompers belonging to the manager, perhaps. And and you see that match against Crystal Palace. And Mane had a goal that got things started. But then uh, Zaha for Crystal Palace in the 82nd minute equalized things. And then you're thinking, wow, this draw could really help keep the race tighter. You know, Man City later in the afternoon goes on to beat Chelsea like they did Uh, then things are tighter and you know Leicester keeps winning but of course the magic and what's that magic it's Firmino with I I mean what nine Crystal Palace players standing there like kind of looking at each other and uh, Van Aanholt did not get the ball out of the box with Any impetus? I didn't understand that whatsoever. That was actually sort of frustrating, seeing that you know Crystal Palace at home had an opportunity to make you know the race more exciting, but uh, Firmino putting home the two to one uh, go ahead goal, and uh, I'll tell you, at least it wasn't in you know the ninety fifth minute. I mean, that was the eighty fifth minute in that case. But yeah, uh, Klopp's guys keep doing the very unexpected and the late game heroics very very exciting I mean other other things in the Premier League right now too that we should be keeping our eye on is really what Leicester keeps doing Bo I mean they, they are going to be making noise late and Chelsea came down to earth uh, a little bit against Manchester City but I mean again a game at the Etihad that uh Man City had to have
1: yeah I mean they played look um Chelsea played well. Chelsea's a better team than Leicester City. I mean, I, I, I'm glad that they've gone on a good run. That's good for the Foxes. But in the end, Chelsea's the better team. But they only need to be the fourth best team because they're not going to be the first. But if they're the fourth, if they get in Champions League. That's good for the Foxes. That's good for their bank account. That's good for their future. That's good for their ability to go get a couple of more players. And they do need a couple of more players to be on that Liverpool-Man City level. But they put together a great season. Uh, But, you know, let's wait and see. You know, I think the problem with the Premier League right now isn't who's doing good. It's that certain people are doing so bad. You know, Man United, uh, awful. Uh, Arsenal, awful. And uh, hopefully the Spurs are going to turn it around. But, you know, you're going to have to be pretty special.
0: Well, okay, okay. You're using word for both uh, Man United and Arsenal that, that may be a little bit strong. When you say it, but it's probably in relationship to how good Liverpool and Man City are right now. But awful. I, I, I'm not quibbling with you on that. They they have not been playing well. But but here's the question about the word "awful" that I have for you. Man City obviously has immense talent. Liverpool has immense spirit. Sheffield United is being very well coached by another um I say mentor a mentee I should say of Sir Alex Ferguson and they give Man United all kinds of trouble it was 2 to nothing by the time I was kind of aware of what was going on I started watching and you're looking at it and Man U gets three straight goals to go ahead but in the 90th minute the Blades and Chris Wilder's squad, the mentee I refer to of uh Sir Alex Ferguson, is now equalized at three three and everyone wants Ole out of the picture.
1: Well they should. And is you know Man, is take, Man United he should, awful or like or yes, is yes, this yes. just where yes. they Man are? Man U is awful. No, they're just not they're not a yeah. good team. They're poorly managed. Phil Jones, I I hate to pull out certain players, but Phil Jones is awful. Awful. He played awful in that game. He literally – he needs to go and play for, like, RSL or Seattle or something. He He's MLS ready uh, with defense like that. And, uh, I mean, that's it with Man U. They just – they don't have the players. They don't have the coach. Uh, and that's a shame because, like, Arsenal, they have the money. They have the prestige. They just need the players and they need the coach. And speaking you of don't the players
0: give. Solskjaer the benefit of the doubt and say maybe they're not no. awful. They're just not where you they should be and Solskjaer needs another transfer window or two to be proven.
1: Well, he had a transfer window and he did nothing with it. You know, he's not he's he's he should be like the coach of a U23 national team. Right? He wants to be like a coach coach. He doesn't want to be a manager. He doesn't want to manage the personalities that you need to man. He wants to be a player's coach. He wants to be everybody's buddy. He wants to work on tactical training. He wants to play rondo with the guys. Like, you know, he's not look, I, I have my problems with people like Zidane, but he's on a different level, right? He's insulated himself from the players. He 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 is there to manage the egos, the type of egos you're going to have on a world class team. And that's what man you needs. They need somebody who can manage Pogba and can get him to play at the top level. They need somebody who can deal with the younger players because these aren't younger players that may someday play for a great team. No, they're on Man United. They should be playing great now, you know? And he's just not up to the task. And that doesn't mean that he's not a knowledgeable soccer coach. That just means that he is not able to manage the personalities involved in a world-class football team. And that's why he has to go and i'm sorry i, I think the guy's a, a good guy i think he's a players coach i think he can go to a mid-table team well he's on a mid-table team but a you know a a team that's used to being in the middle of the table and you know i think he can he can do some some positive things but he does not need to be a man u coach
0: well but now we're talking about a litany of managers that need to go if we're saying arsenal man u everton is a very strong question right there too um The thing we should wrap up with here, as we look forward, as we stop talking about Premier League for a second, is we got Gareth Bale to talk about. But like, um, next on the fixtures are games Saturday that are that are that are okay, but but really keep your eye on the action on Sunday because if Norwich, while hosting Arsenal, get a victory there, sayonara, Unai, and then a really nice matchup now of teams that really play. Really tough soccer, and Wolves are hosting the Blades of Sheffield United on Sunday. The other two games on Sunday, Leicester hosting Everton. And then uh, the Villains, coming off a victory, go to Old Trafford, and we'll have Man U as uh, the opponent. And I I think the Sunday action in the Premier League is what everyone should be keeping their eye on, and it's going to be a a big, big weekend as it relates to all the things we were just talking about, what managers and whatever.
1: It will be Sunday It will be, I know this is an Irish thing, but it will be Sunday Bloody Sunday because some coaches are going to get their heads chopped off. It's going to be a wrap on at least one, possibly two Premier League coaches on Sunday because Man U will lose, Arsenal will lose, and both of those guys will be gone by Christmas. Guaranteed.
0: All right. Well, do us a favor and to continue the puns and the references, bail us out.
1: Oh, La Liga, man. You know, I'm sitting here watching Madrid, and I don't know what all the fuss is about. I don't know why everybody's in a panic. They're playing good football, and they're going to be fine. They're at the they're at the top of the table with Barcelona. They're going to play El Clasico. We'll see which team is better right now, the snapshot of the league, which is El Clasico, but they're going to play another El Clasico. And there's this whole controversy around Bale. The Wales, golf, Madrid, in that order. I don't know why that surprises anybody. As poorly as he has been treated by Madrid, the coaching staff, the fans, some of the other players, he's not happy, but he is a professional, and he's contributed so much to that team. Even this year, when he's been healthy, he's contributed a lot to that team. Now, if Bale goes, he goes, and Madrid will be fine, and Bale will be fine, but he's going to stay on that team. He's not going in the January transfer window. I don't see that happening, and I think that he's going to make a solid contribution, and when he does, we're going to be starting all over this summer where, you know, you're going to see Bale's doing this, Bale's going here, Bale's going there, and in the end, I think management, upper management at Madrid will say, we can't let this guy go, A, he contributes a lot to us and he costs us a lot of money. But B, we don't want him on another team where he can hurt us down the line because he's going to be on a championship caliber team. You know, this idea that he's going to go to Man U, no. Now, could he go to Spurs? That's an interesting thought. Uh, But every day, you know, when I look at the, I call them the tabloids. (laughs) When I look at the European football (laughs) sporting press and see Bale is going here, Bale is going there, um, I laugh because it's like a, this has been happening for 18 months. It seems like every day there's a new Gareth Bale rumor, and I, I just I don't see it happening because he costs and means too much to Real Madrid. So, you know, I I I see a team that's in first place. I see a team that's going to move on to the knockout stages of the Champions League and so i don't know why everybody's in a panic about real madrid and thinks that they have to get rid of players you know now do they need to add some players maybe is paul pogba that guy yeah they have the money to get him but you know this isn't this isn't an american sport where like you know you, you can analyze you know there's always one for another there's always there's you can have as many players as you want you know real madrid could have 100 players. They don't care. You know, they could have a bunch of guys sitting on the bench. They don't even have the time. They have some of that you could take the guys that they leave at home when they go travel and that would be maybe the fifth best team in La Liga. So, they'll be fine. And Bale will stay for for the time being and he will contribute. And I'm sure he's going to come out on this Champions League game and score a brace and I'm going to have to call Lawrence and we're going to have to retape. But Uh, as of now, you know, (laughs) he's doing well, and La Liga is kind of falling into place, you know, Barcelona and Madrid. That Clasico is going to really tell us a lot. Past that, you have Valencia, you have Sevilla, and uh, I'm actually more interested in what Valencia is going to do against Chelsea and what Valencia could possibly do in the Champions League than what they're going to do in La Liga. But, you know, that's, that's, that's these European leagues. It's a race to the top four because a lot of times the top two is what gets decided. And in, in this first part of the season, in the first 15, 20 games, this is when you find out who's going to be number one and who's going to be number two. You know, you have your, you have your, your Liverpool man city, you have Madrid, Barcelona, you have Inter and Juventus, and you have Bayern Munich and whoever we're going to pretend is the second or best team in you know Bundesliga, and and that's what it comes down to. It's the race to number four.
0: Mm, don't rule out Lazio quite yet. They're they're they're. they're they're lurking in the shadows. And, and and I don't disagree with you. Just one quick thing to wrap up because we're not going to retape no matter what happens because uh, we're previewing and teasing ahead to our second segment right this second. And that would be the Liga MX MLS All-Star game that's coming. We will talk about that. But I did hear you say something that we hear all the time, but it kind of got me thinking, you know, really, how would Pogba even help? like what what would that help be G- give me the the most positive way he could help their operation and then just tell, why it would just be just you know not that big of a deal
1: because pogba can create right pogba can do uh, madrid has plenty of players of course i mean they have luka modric you know but like they need an they can always use a player who can create they don't need a player who can finish they have plenty of guys who can finish they need a player who can create and pogba can create if given the right situation. He needs somebody to be creative with. He needs somebody to, to get the ball, too. And I think that when you think of guys like Ramos and Marcella and Valverde, and they're giving the ball to Pogba, and Pogba is coming, and he's drawing defenders, and then he's able to push off to Hazard, who finally looks like he deserves to play at Madrid, or Bale, whether he's there or not, or Benzema. You know, yeah, Pogba, I mean, Paul Pogba is a fit on any team that isn't called Manchester United. I don't know what happened there. I don't know why that has just not worked. Uh, but nothing has changed with Paul Pogba. He's still an amazing player. He's still a dynamic player. So Pogba to Madrid, Pogba to anywhere else other than Man i I'd put my money on Pogba. He's going he's gonna to do a lot. But you're right, Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Let's get back over here to North America. After the break, it's time for a little Liga MX. It's Little League.
0: Sound System FC, Lawrence Scott with Bo Byerly, and uh, we last left you with the talk of Real Madrid as we now look toward uh, Liga MX. But well, one more thing to note, and I just got to say this, as uh, Zidane is verbally penning love letters to Kylian Mbappe, there's just so much fluidity there that if it's Pogba, if Bale stays, if Mbappe comes in, that is the thing to be watching. But yet, we don't care because what we watch is the Little League action straight ahead. Oh, we're not talking yeah. Daniel El Monte. We're talking about no, the no, Apertura no. has closed before the Closura begins. <laughs> and now, just help us understand one more time, why there's this tournament in the middle? Like it's like a donut? This is,
1: this, is, this is why, oh my God, Mexican League soccer is the best. And this is why. You have two, you basically have two small seasons. You have two half seasons, which are considered whole seasons. And... They call it the opening tournament and the closing tournament. But the tournament's actually a league. And then they have the little league, which is actually a tournament. But here's the simple explanation. Every team plays itself, right? You got 19 teams. They play 18 games. The top eight teams, now they play each other in a very small tournament where you play everyone on your home field. You play your opponent on your home field and then their home field. Aggregate score, you move on to the next round that's going to be the champion. And guess what? You're going to do it again after Christmas. And that's what's so cool is the regular season matters because the league is so short that that 18 games is so short that if you have a bad run and you lose 3 games, you're you're done. You, you know, you're you're out. You're not going to get a chance to play in the cup. There's no recovery. However, what I like about having these two many seasons if you will is the fact that let's say you're a team and you just have a bad run you lose one of your one or two strong players and you just get a couple of decisions that don't go your way and you're out of the playoff well your season is not ruined your year is not ruined because you can come right back and everybody starts at zero again and we're going to do it again and if you're a team like Guadalajara the Chivas who uh, they did what they needed to do as far as beating Veracruz last weekend, but uh, everybody else, the 19 other things that were supposed to happen, didn't happen, and they're out of the little league. But guess what? In January, it starts all over again, and I feel like that they are on a positive climb in which they can get into that little league. But let's discuss the teams that did make it, the top eight that did make it. And Lawrence, I'm already intrigued. Club America versus Tigres. That's going to be one of the first legs out, one of the first round matches. And, I mean, this is this is going to be the epitome of Mexican soccer. These are two of the crown jewels of Liga MX playing against each other. Somehow, just because of the shakeout in the last week of the season, America is ranked six. But, honestly, I still think they're yeah. the best team in the league. They're the best team in the league. They just, like, you know, when it comes down to, like, goal differential and little things like that. You know, you suddenly are six, but I think, you know, Club America is as good as Santos, Leone, and you have Nakaksa at five, who honestly was the most, look, Santos had the best season so far, but Nacoxa has had some really exciting games and I think they're going to make a lot of noise too. So, you know, it's fun. It's, it's fun and it's over quick. It's like a month you know, it's not like uh, other professional playoffs like NFL football that seems like the playoffs take forever. And by the time you get to the Super Bowl, luckily it's the Super Bowl because if it was anything else, you'd just be so tired. Uh, it, I, I'm I'm really excited. I'm really excited, and I, I still think Club America is the favorite, even though they're in the sixth spot. But, you know, that's, that's the fun of, of Liga MX.
0: Well, you make up great points here with the fact that it's like a 3-6 matchup and... Really, when you look at Santos finishing the Apertura with uh, 37 points on the table, but then León had 33, but then from three down to six, it was just either 32 points or 31 points. So it was a big clumping there. They go obviously from the goal differential and uh, you know head-to-head matchups when that was even tied up, like it was in some cases. But yeah, uh, America being sixth and Necaxa being fifth. As this tournament begins, it really does add some intrigue. Could you see a 1-8 upset? I mean, could Monterey sneak Look, on Santos?
1: No, because Monterey's not quite that good. However, if if you remember just a month ago, I mean, literally a month ago, Tigris came out and beat Santos four to zero. You know, that's you know, that shows that this team is not they're not just so dominant, you know, and the week before Tigris did it to him again. So you have Tigris, who has beaten Santos twice, and that's happened in the last two months. Guadalajara beat Santos. Nacaxa beat Santos 3-0. to zero. You know, Leon tied him. So these teams are all pretty close. They're all pretty competitive. And that's why I find it so dynamic to, like, have this, this playoff at the end. And it's like, can 8 beat 1? Mm, may- maybe not, because I just don't think Monterey is that deep of a team. But past that, I feel like it's anybody's to win. And I know that sounds so cliche and so dumb, but, I mean, this this is honestly the fun of Mexican League soccer is the fact that it truly is like this little snapshot because the league is so quick and the playoff is so quick. And then we go to next season. And, uh, yeah. you know, I'm excited. I mean, I and, and even Leon this weekend, watching them play, they – they're gonna do the same thing, man. They're they're gonna come in as a team that had a great season, but I don't know if they honestly should be the favorite in their matchup. So well we I, I am looking
0: and, forward to seeing the closure, just given that the folks just on the outside looking in here, Pachuca and Guadalajara. I mean the the Gophers uh just behind Monterey with the opportunity to be in the mix there. And, uh, yeah, Guadalajara, it was a good run toward the end, but in the end, underachieve us. And, uh, <laughs> they <laughs> had that <bet laughs> match against Veracruz. But, but I, I, I have to point out one thing, and this is like stupid math, but it, it does wrap up the aperture very nicely. Veracruz, as woeful as the situation was, in 18 games played, five draws. There were five draws. Santos had four draws, but they also had 10 more wins than Veracruz. But But, but but they they hung in there.
1: Veracruz was up on Guadalajara. So, like, uh, when the game, when Veracruz played Guadalajara this weekend, I was like, ah, uh, so I'm like watching the other games, right? I'm seeing, okay, when is everybody playing? Because I knew that it was like, if Pachuca won, then Guadalajara had to score four more goals than Pachuca, or possibly if Leon won, it was like Leon won. So I was like, okay, Guadalajara can get in, but these two things have to happen. Not even thinking that Guadalajara would lose to, to Veracruz. And then I look up and we're 40 minutes into the game and Guadalajara is down to Veracruz, 1-0. I mean... Look Veracruz is not good. I made a comment earlier about the fact that if you've been around professional sports, what you realize is that the worst team and the worst player is only just a little bit behind the best team on the best player. Let's forget I said that when we talk about Veracruz. They're really they're really in a league of their own and not in a good way. Um, but you know, we'll see what happens we'll see what happens next season. We'll see if if past January, You know, they got one win. Maybe next season they get two wins. You you never know.
0: Well, a fine aperture it was. And and now the big news that the Bank of California Stadium in July of 2020 will be hosting the MLS All-Stars against the Liga MX All-Stars. And... uh, the commissioners of both leagues coming together on this big announcement and Landon Donovan weighing in and the excitement building. And it just, honestly, this would be very surprising. And I'm going to side with the Liga MX commissioner and say, he said this in Spanish before he went to his English portion during the press conference. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll win this thing. This is finally a chance for it not to be what has been 15 straight MLS All-Star Games, believe it or not, where they've played a, another club from Europe or, or something like that in the All-Star Game, just another club, but but actual All-Stars against All-Stars, this now probably is the gateway, bow for what we've been talking about for quite some time now, that uh, Americans here in uh, the United States that are watching Liga MX are seeing what... You know, folks in Mexico have known forever that this is amazing soccer, and we'll see it in all-star form against all-stars from North America, United States, and Canada yeah, with the MLS. And it's, 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 I, I'm, it's I'm tough I'm, because I, it's... actually I want to go, and I'm excited about it, and I hope you're there with me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd love to be there, and I think it's going to be exciting. I think it's bad because it's it's not a very good sample to prove the theory of who has the better league because all-star games as a whole and large you've been to all-star games of both the nba uh and major league baseball i have as well and you know it's a showcase it's fun it's interesting it, it draws the eyeballs but you know it's not really easy to kind of figure out who's really better and the thing is that soccer is such a team sport that there's a certain team aspect of it that uh you know it's going to be hard to to parallel in an all star game. That all being said, you're right. Just for the fans to get to see some of the stars of Liga MX who are MLS fans, and uh, I do have to say that uh, just from looking at the Spanish language numbers, the fans in Mexico are already watching the MLS, so they know what's going on here. But I just feel like a lot of our plans. Oh hey, what do you know? Neymar just dived. Sorry to cut in. Sorry to cut into our regularly <laughs> scheduled programming. But <laughs> I just look up at Neymar's rolling around on the turf. He's only been in the game for two minutes, and he's already cringing and hobbling around like a clown. Um, no, I think that uh, I think that people who are fans of the MLS are going to see that Liga MX has an amazing product, and they have some amazing players. And I hope in the future, you know, I don't want to see the leagues merge, but I would love to see an American-based franchise play in Liga MX, and I would like to see a Mexican-based franchise play in the MLS. I think that's how you would truly get that parody that people want to see.
0: Well, I have been to... Uh variety of all-star games and i i I agree with you it's not like the best showcase for the talent in the sense that it's like teams that have just been cobbled together at the last second but having been to two mls all-star games one uh in san jose when the all-stars were just kind of starting up and uh that was an old spartan stadium and then more recently at avaya where arsenal faced uh the mls all-stars and um Pierre Lowe and Kaká and, and 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 guys of that ilk were out on the pitch against uh, Arsenal's B team. A lot of Theo Walcott action, if 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 I may so. But I, I I will say it was fun to see Arsene Wenger in person and and be in like the media room and and listen to him and be part of that and kind of a acculturated with that. It was a real theme throughout the weekend that it was something very special. That yeah, but I you I know, actually Arsenal see that. was in town.
1: Yeah, I see that though. I actually see that as a bad move. Honestly, I see that as a bad move by MLS and I'm glad they're changing up the format because you're basically making your product look subservient. I mean, we all know that European League, Neymar down again. We all know that European League soccer is better than North American soccer. That's I mean, that's a given, right? That's okay. We don't expect we don't expect the rsl to be as good as you know arsenal right but don't invite a team to come play here and play our all-stars because first of all a team that plays together every day is going to be much better than any group of all-stars so you all you're already hand, handicapping yourself and then on top of that you know then you come out and you're just basically saying like the best 11 players we have in the entire league can compete with a decent European league team. And I I don't think it's a fair comparison and I'm glad the MLS is thinking outside the box, trying to do something else with, with, with the all-star game, because, you know, I, I think it's a much bigger positive. I think there's so much more to gain than just an exhibition game against a European squad.
0: Well, well, it was 2016 when Arsenal beat uh, the MLS All Stars in San Jose. That match I was telling you about, and it was two to one in that one. But before that, the MLS, you know, did come out on top in a couple of these cases. I, I remember they beat uh, Tottenham. Uh, I think it was a game h- hosted in the, the Rapids, uh, field. And then in Portland, uh, the MLS, you know, took down Bayern Munich. I mean, the excitement there that that could happen. I think Chelsea was beat once in one of these things, uh, in the past decade. So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's got its pluses and its minuses. But now instead of it being Guadalajara or, you know, a team that, that comes in from Liga MX, the Liga MX all stars participating is something that's going to be very cool. And again, I mean, I've wanted a reason to get to that Bank of California stadium, and this time we won't have the 3252 banging the drum. Some of them will probably be there, but but it'll be a lot of fans from, you know, that follow Liga MX getting to see an MLS stadium and take part in that without it being a exhibition of two teams that are from League MX playing each other, like happened, I don't know, like a couple of weeks ago here in uh, like Houston, Texas, uh, a couple of teams came together. But I, I just think the pageantry of it is, again, going to be what's really a fun thing as these teams get together. Yeah, and and it's now a, I have got renewed interest in it is. It's a reason to watch
1: an All-Star game. It's a reason to watch an All-Star game. And and you know what? You can ask any league. That's That right now is a tough sell. You know, All-Star games are not are not selling. All-Star games are not what they used to be. Maybe it's just I'm older and just a curmudgeon now, but they're just not what they used to be. But this is exciting. This is something new. This is thinking outside the box. And, And I really appreciate MLS trying to bring in the fans from Liga MX. And I appreciate them also saying, hey, there's this other league, too, that you should watch that's exciting soccer. I think that Liga MX and MLS can grow together and help each other out. And I think that's much more important than trying to see themselves as rivals.
0: That's a great point, and and now that we've both got one eye on the uh, PSG Real Madrid match that's going as we've been taping this, uh, l- let's just wrap this thing up and and leave it at a very nice sentiment there. And 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 I got to tell you, this coming weekend, I'm <laughs> yes, really I'm talking nicely to the about the MLS Sunday action. <laughs> You finally did it. So let like get out while we're ahead. You finally did it. We, we we suckered you into saying one nice thing about the MLS, and that is awesome. And that's a great way to end this show with Bo Byerly. I'm Lawrence Scott. Thank you so Tottenham's much for checking us Tottenham's out here. Tottenham's tied
1: it up. The special one is back. He's still this, this, special. Breaking news into the newsroom. real-time room. updates. Real-time updates updates that you'll be watching. Oh, my God. This reminds me of the Mr. Show where he has the tape-recorded call-in show and everybody's confused. I'm giving you play-by-play on a match that probably happened days before you listen to this.
0: (laughs) Pretty much is what the case will be. We'll talk to you soon here on Sound System FC.
1: Go Spurs!